Hello everybody, welcome to this week's uh, Liverpool FC Blood Red podcast. I'm Andy Kelly, back from a couple of weeks off. Uh, and my thanks to one of my guests today, Ian uh, Doyle, who's been uh, holding the fort uh, while I've been trying to find some sunshine. And we're also joined today by James Pearce. Uh, James has uh, today uh, written a story about Mamadou Saku's future at uh, Liverpool, which has been getting a lot of attention. We'll come on to that shortly. We're going to just take a quick look uh, back to Spurs on the weekend uh, to start with. Um, James, you were down there. It was it was a great game. I mean, I'm sure anyone who didn't support either of the teams would have enjoyed it. You know, great one for the neutral and all that. Um, but there was a frustration at the end of it uh, for Liverpool and not getting the three points, especially, I suppose, on the back of what people will view as, as you know, three points dropped at Burnley the week before. Yeah, I think that was I think that was it, wasn't it? That was the problem really in the aftermath. That I think if Burnley hadn't have happened and Liverpool had had won that game, you'd be saying everyone would be saying what a fantastic game of football that was. And yeah, Liverpool probably probably deserved more than a point, but you know to go there against a team who were title contenders last season and perform like that was was immensely positive. But you know on on the back of what happened at Turf Moor, Liverpool really needed all three points, and uh, you know it. It didn't happen, and I think you know the frustration also was that you know it, it was similar issues. You know the the fact that Liverpool weren't clinical enough in the final third. You think of that early Coutinho chance. Um, you know there are other opportunities as well that they should have taken. Even even that one, you know, deep into stoppage time at the end when you know they broke away and didn't move the ball quick enough, and then you know Lallana wasn't able to get the shot away. You, know, you think Liverpool had much the better chances, and it was a game they they should have won. Um, you know, and that was you know. In the end, it felt like they'd let Tottenham off the hook, really. Yeah, Dorothy, the, the there were chances for for Liverpool. I mean, Spurs had a few themselves in when they sort of wrestled control of the game, maybe for twenty minutes of the second half. After you know, Liverpool had obviously been much the better team in the first. Could you see anything as to why Liverpool lost control of the game? Uh, was it down to you know, just you know? The, the fact that Spurs had to chase it or, or they were at home or was there anything about how, how the midfield was setting up in terms of you know just losing that bit of control in the second period? Well, any any game has periods where one team has a little bit of control, especially you've got to bear in mind, as has been mentioned, Tottenham were challenging for the league last season, though they somehow managed to finish third in the 2 horse race, which perhaps says a little bit about them. But I don't think Liverpool at the moment are made, the way they're set up is not really to contain teams. I think... The way that they play, you mentioned then about the, the central midfield. You had Juan Alderman and Henderson, and neither of them to a holding midfielder. You, you know, you could argue that Chan and Lucas, and to a lesser extent Kevin Stewart, are the, are the three on the books at the moment who do that. But none of them were playing. I think Liverpool just they played the game that they thought would would get them the points. And you know, a draw at Tottenham's not a bad result. And, and I don't know what James is saying about you know the whole perception changed with the defeat at Burnley. But the other thing you've got to look at is the fact that Burnley game should really have been played at home. That's what it would have been otherwise, apart from this, you know, the main stand. So Liverpool would almost certainly have won that game. So you'd be going into the, the next game with seven points out of nine. I mean, two away games at Tottenham and Arsenal, a win and a draw, that's not, not bad. But, you know, the Burnley game is the one that everyone's thinking of at the moment. No one's really... Everyone during this international break will be looking back at what happened at Burnley. And James, it's also sort of... I think I was watching the... Um... 
terrible West Brom Middlesbrough game on the I think it was on Sunday, wasn't it? Uh, you know that nil nil, which I'm sure if anyone out there uh, sat through all of that, you know, you know, you need a medal. But um, I was just thinking about you know those two t- that that game and and how there would be Liverpool fans sort of sat at home thinking, <clears throat> yeah, this is a terrible game, but probably the way the, the way the team is at the moment or the team that we certainly seen the couple the last couple of years they they wouldn't have been convinced that necessarily Liverpool going to West Brom would have necessarily come away with three points and this is the problem isn't it that that these games against the big clubs where we've done actually pretty well under Klopp I think it's uh, he's only lost one hasn't he out of eight or something yeah. um or maybe two if you include the uh, the, the extra league the league cup yeah. penalties one the, that that we almost People feel like we those are the games that we'll we'll play well in and need to pick up the points because sometimes these lesser lights we don't we're not convinced that Liverpool will just you know go and get the classic dull two 0 just beat them get the three points and move on. Yeah, and it's something that James Milner touched on after the game. Actually, he stopped to do an interview at White Hart Lane, and you know I asked him about you know how far the, he felt the team had developed from obviously Klopp's first game in charge at White Hart Lane nine ten months before. Um, and, and he and he said, yeah, you know, you're right. You know that performance was was a big big difference. You know, it was that first game there under Klopp. You know, was all about kind of perspiration and running around like headless chickens and putting in a great shift. But with in possession, Liverpool didn't really create hardly anything. Um, it was a big difference. This one, you know, they looked like a real unit, a, a real slick, coherent team. Um, and everyone seemed to know what their jobs are. But he said, you know, yeah, we did well. But he said those aren't the games that have been a problem since this manager came in. He said, you know, it has been. You think of some of the real low points of last season, that you know, places like Watford and, and Swansea and Newcastle. Um, those have been the, the big problem games when, you know, especially against teams like Burnley, who, who just sit deep and challenge Liverpool to break them down and are quite happy to let them have the ball. Um, and he said, you know, that is what's going to define this season. You know, he, he said, you know, he looks around the squad and he, he thinks there's enough talent there to get Liverpool into the top four. But he said they're going to have to sort out that record against the, the lesser teams. And, and I know what he means because, you, you know, you almost look at the games Liverpool have got coming up in the next few weeks. And obviously after Leicester, you know, I think it's Chelsea away and then Hull at home. And, you know, you just wouldn't put it past this Liverpool team to go win at Chelsea and then fail to beat Hull at home because that seems to have been the way it's gone for them. Ian, just looking at some of the positives from the Spurs game, uh, Mane obviously another strong performance. I thought it was the first time I felt we were starting to see a real Jordan Henderson uh, emerge again after, you know, obviously last year severely disrupted uh, by injuries. And, uh, and obviously Matip at the back, um, seems to be over the uh, the injury that he suffered pre-season and put in a you know a performance that sort of did offer a lot of hope for for how he's going to settle into the team. Well, Matip was an interesting one because I know James and and Christian both went to the game and I think James wrote that he he provides a bit of physical presence and Christian wrote that he needs to work on providing more of a physical presence. So I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what physical presence means in that respect. I, I think I know what the what they're both saying. I'm assuming James. You mean he, he provides a bit of height and he can head the ball and just whatever. Yeah. He didn't get bullied. I think was the big thing. Just you know, he did. Yeah, he won everything in the air. I just thought he was. I like. I like the fact as well that he just seems so composed. And you know when, you know whatever the combination's been in the last couple of years, there seems to have been too often when panic has set in. 
but he just seemed to calm everything down mm. and just and he, he wasn't flustered. And I think, especially when you consider the pace of the game, and that was his Premier League debut, uh, that, that, it was very impressive. That's maybe something that Liverpool have lacked at the back, certainly in the past three, four, basically since Daniel Agger left, yeah. I think, or since he obviously he, he reminded wasn't me of Agger, actually, in yeah. some ways, the way he brings the ball out. And, well, he did it at Burton when, it, when we were at yeah. Burton. I know it's completely different, given that Tottenham are a bit of a better team, but you know, I, mm. I think he's got I, a bit of positive, and I quite like the way, actually, that that Lovren seems to feed off him as well. I thought Lovren had a good game against Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. You have to say, he got man of the match on Sky, didn't he? I, I, I certainly wasn't... I didn't think he was even our best centre-back, never mind no. man of the match. But I do I, you know, I don't think he was a, decent. The, the yeah. fact that there's, a debate, there's such a debate over who Liverpool's best player was kind of tells you how well they, they played in, for the most part, really. I mean, the goal that they conceded was a bit... It was a bit... You're so bit, some people criticising the goalkeeper. I'm not blaming the keeper I couldn't, I couldn't no, see it at all. I mean, it was... It was lucky, wasn't it, as well? Because he's actually... He's gone through his legs, he, sort of, he hasn't He scuffed it, it as well, hasn't he? He's yeah, not, yeah. He didn't mean to put it inside that near post. Well, yeah. You have to give him credit, he's Danny Rose, because he's, got, he's, got, he's got, got, that, there, got that far up. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. really normally expect you, well, unless he's Alberto Moreno, to be that far up. And almost, uh, I know that Klein isn't there, but the reason he wasn't was because he, he went in to, to help in the middle because I think he thought... Um, the, I'm not sure who the centre forward was. Had, Janssen at that time yeah, had, had got the wrong side, maybe off Matip. I think it was. So you know, you can understand why he went in because uh, you want your fullback to cover from on opposite sides. As, uh, you know, standard standard practice, really. And of course, then it's fallen to uh, it's fallen to Rose. So I could. That, what I was disappointed in was the initial ball from the Spurs centre back, which was just a sort of straight ball down the line. And I think there was an error from. Milner probably Milner, yeah. in terms of and you're going to get that when he's sort of playing a position that he's not overly well, familiar the, the, with the thing is is that from what I've seen from Liverpool's games the opposition really hasn't had massive concerted periods of pressure and they've not been shots haven't been raining down on the goal it's just Liverpool have done quite well keeping them away from goal but the minute that they get into the box at the moment or get near it seems to be a shot and it's in so is there, a, is there anything to that think, or is it well, just the way it's, it's happening I don't think, I think it's been could blame exactly I don't think there's no. been any individual errors as well there's possibly been one or two but it's not been like a collective no. everyone's got it wrong kind of thing but then it is only very early in the season probably the second goal at Burnley was probably the one that jumps yeah. out as and then there's error the, strewn you could argue it, that yeah. there was one at Arsenal as well the, the, the first goal maybe you could argue but it's, it's yeah. very it's fine, fine points. Yeah, um, Henderson, James, I, I have yeah, to I say, thought it was a step was forward for him. Yeah, I thought he got better and better as the game went on, and it was pleasing because he, you know, he came in for an awful lot of stick after what happened at Burnley, and you know, I'm sure he would hold his hands up and say that he was, he was well, well off the the pace that day. But you know, he, he was better, I thought, um, at Burton in midweek, and then better again against Tottenham. And you know, he's gonna, you know, he, of course, when you're Liverpool captain, you're under the microscope and everything's gonna get examined, but. You know, he, he's he's trying to get back to where he was. You know, he, he had a, such a torrid season last season with injuries. You know, and he you know he just needs a bit of time. And it was it was good to hear actually Klopp. You know, he was asked about Henderson and his role in the team and and the, the criticism he's had. And he was he was very defensive of him. You know, it was a robust defence that he gave last week because you know his attitude is. You know, he said he said you know do you really think if I didn't fancy him. He'd still be at Liverpool Football Club, you know. He said he's here because I rate him that highly. I rate his professionalism. I rate his talents as a midfielder. You know, he, he said, you know, I, I think because Henderson's been at Liverpool a long time, you know, he, he probably gets gets looked upon. People sometimes probably lose sight of the fact, you know, he's he's still developing and improving as a player. And I think Klopp, he he knows that Henderson's not the finished article, but I think he sees a lot there that he can work with. 
and, and develop and, and hopefully that performance he put in against Tottenham will be a, a platform for him to build on now. I mean, Andy, you're old, like me. Thank you, Ian, yeah, yes. But, but I'm not saying they're the same player, but I can remember in the 80s, Liverpool fans, quite a lot of them weren't overly keen on, on Ronnie Whelan. Yeah. And he'd always be the first one that came in for stick, despite the fact that, that he would do this score, these goals, whatever have you. I mean, I'm not saying Whelan and uh, Henderson the same player, but it's, he seems to kind of attract that same kind of criticism. If something goes wrong, he's one of the first people that people turn to. Yeah, well, I mean, if, we, if, if Henderson decides to score the sort of um, important goals that Ronnie Whelan did, then uh, well, maybe that will help I'm change. That, you yeah, know, they're yeah. not quite the same. No, absolutely. But uh, And Matip, for me, is now, I think a lot of people out there, he's the one name that moves, anybody who's going to the game. Anyway, you know those, that period when you used to go to the game and... You'd find out um, you know, Gerard's been rested or whatever, and you'd be absolutely, you know, you'd be really annoyed in terms of lineups and and uh, you know rotation and stuff. I think at the moment the person I'd be most disappointed if I was going to the game uh, to see not on the team sheet would be uh, uh, Mane because uh, you know he's he's just brilliant to watch, and um, whether he costs thirty million or whether he's going to. Or you know, eventually cost thirty six. This it seems to be uh, continuing doubt over it. But uh, what either of the two at this stage, um, he's looking for me. He's looking like one of the buys of the summer across the Premier League. Yeah, Jim. yeah, definitely. It was, it was. I read some quotes from Danny Rose after the game, and he was. He said he he can remember the last time he'd had a harder, harder game in terms of having a marker that that that, that dragged him all over the place and. Just you know the sheer pace and Marnie, I think strikes fear into defenders. And he, yeah, he, he was he was one of Liverpool's best players again. And he's you know he, every game he's played so far this season, he, he's been that. You know he's been he's powerful, he's strong, he's quick, he's skillful. You know perfectly suited as well to games like that where Klopp wants him to play on the counter attack. And yeah, again, you know he was drifting inside off the right, really intelligent, finding little pockets of space. Um, and he, you know, he, I think he, there was also the other thing that struck me at Tottenham was the defensive shift he put in, as well as a few times when he was back on the edge of his own penalty box, winning possession, and a little bit of an edge to him as well. You know, there was a few few challenges that he put in. Was he lucky where, to stay on? Probably. Well, it's all yeah, fair. I, mean, we don't I, need to... I think it was. I mean, it's a terrible view from the press box at Tottenham. It literally is right behind the dugout. Um, I thought I thought he was probably a little bit unlucky to get booked initially, but then. Having been booked, he probably was lucky. You know, if that if that's what the referee was judging to be a yellow card, then probably what followed, he he could easily have walked. But then, you know, you just said that would have been harsh on a day when I thought Bobby Madley was all over the shop. To be honest, I Liverpool mean, I think so... picked up five yellows and yeah, Spurs three, just... and I can't remember. No, it wasn't a dirty. Well, that, that, that's Liverpool get the five, don't they? With five, the... I think it's five, isn't it? I thought, I thought they were probably had four. No, it was five. Definitely it was five. Yeah. It was, I remember looking that there's been an awful lot of yellows in this game thinking, and I can't remember. No, us, no. And, that, and uh, then really you think of the, the tight offside call as well, and you know, that, that didn't do Liverpool any favours as only, well. The only thing on that offside call, everyone was talking about how close it was, obviously it was. I, I just thought to myself, no one's really mentioned about I think it was Wijnaldum who gave the ball to Lallana down the side, wasn't it? And there was no reason why he couldn't have played the ball a second earlier for me, do you know what I mean? The space was still there. It would still have been, you know, the Lana's movement seemed pretty clear to me. And I just think maybe there was just a little lack of timing in terms of we could have put it beyond doubt by actually playing the ball slightly earlier and uh, and and it would have still been in. But there seems to be a very clear when Liverpool do 
regain possession, which is obviously this is one of Klopp's bywords, isn't it? But there's an almost like automatic reaction in the players on one goes this way, one yeah. goes that way, and there's obviously flexibility in that because you're not going to go you go this way because teams would quickly get onto it. But there's there's very the the movement in is 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 almost like it's becoming second nature to them in terms of where they go as soon as they regain possession and head off in sort of transition as they call it. Well, but to be fair, it's not much different to what we've seen for the large part since the turn of the year. Really, that's the way Liverpool have just approached the games, and that brings us back to what James was talking about at the start about the Burnley game. Burnley didn't allow them to do that by just putting everybody behind the ball and going, "Okay, right, let's see what you can do now." And it's not just with Liverpool; it's with any of the top teams. Any of the teams who've got any chance of winning anything, if you're coming up against a team that's perceived to be a lesser team, certainly at home, then they're going to put everybody behind the ball and they're going to say, all right, then we know how to get organised. It's a lot easier to defend than it is to attack. And so they're just going to ask different questions. And this is what Liverpool, as James said, Liverpool have to find the answer to this season is how they can break down these defences and... Is that with Roberto Firmino up front? I'm not entirely sure. He should be playing, but you need a striker up front, then that leads you on to Sturridge, Origi, Ings. It was into Carrow was making that point, wasn't he? He was suggesting that he likes Firmino in in that in that role as the number nine whenever Liverpool are playing the top teams, because yeah. I think he can obviously help link the play, does good press, and everything else disrupts that standard of opposition building on you. But he's, he, he suggested he maybe he wasn't the right call in that situation when you're playing some of the lesser lights. Yeah, I go along with that, and I think I think I think probably Klopp knows that as well. I don't think you know, he was asked. Obviously, you know, it, it was it was it became a big deal the fact that Sturridge didn't play, and then the fact he didn't get brought on ahead of Origi. And you know, Klopp was asked when he did the, the separate interviews with the, the Monday papers, you know, about Sunas's comment. I think Sunas had said that Sturridge's got a mountain to climb to get back in the Liverpool team, and he. He kind of dismissed that, and I know, I know what he means because it, he just basically said, you know, it's a horses for courses approach. And you, I wasn't surprised that Firmino led the line because you think of Chelsea away last season, City away, Arsenal away this season. Three of Liverpool's best away victories under Klopp have been without Sturridge. But you know, I think if Liverpool had been playing Swansea or Stoke at home last weekend, then Sturridge would have started, and that's where he's going to be vitally important. You know, when you do need that bit of magic, a bit of inspiration to unlock a defence. The thing about storage as well is it's easy to forget Liverpool's two biggest games, arguably this year, was the Europa League semi-final second leg and the final. And he started both games up front and scored in both of them. Did so, the Riki was you know just coming back from injury? But he's still, in the, he's still in the final, well. He? It's still a striker up front. It's not Firmino. Firmino, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's. It's there for him if he wants it. And if he plays every other game this season, that's more than he's played for the last two seasons. Yeah, I wasn't surprised Origi came on first. No, uh, I was surprised how bad Origi was. I was yeah, disappointed. Really much, I mean, yeah. Klopp seemed to suggest that Liverpool didn't get the ball to him enough, but um, I didn't think he, he looked... No, no he's rhythm. still, still no, finding his rhythm, isn't he, as he said. But, and I was also surprised, perhaps, at Sturridge then, you know, even if it's seven or eight minutes, but... Two minutes seemed like, you know, it didn't exactly give him any time to really try and get that, you know, pinch one, which is what you want to do maybe the last five minutes. Yeah, yeah, it, it did seem... I, I, I was surprised, actually, that, that he did leave it so late to, to, to bring him on. Um, and you're right, yeah, I think Origi... I, I didn't think it was a case of Liverpool not getting Origi in the game. I just thought he didn't get himself in the game. He just... There was a few times where Klopp was screaming at him as well. I think there was one time when he was caught offside. When he really shouldn't have been, you know, he had loads, loads of time to have a look along the line, and it was, it was sloppy. And uh, you know, I just think Sturridge has to take on board 
you know, I think it would have hurt him, I'm sure. You know, he wasn't happy about playing on the right, so he's not going to be happy about being sat on the bench and then being uh, being relegated to two minutes at the end of a game. But the, the fact of the matter is, you know, Liverpool gave up a long time ago in terms of waiting for him to be fit to build a team around him. You, you can't do that when a player misses as much football as he does. You know, he, he is just looked upon as an option. And, you know, he probably thinks he's at a level where he should be starting regardless of the opposition, regardless of the game that Liverpool face. But at the moment, that's not the not the case in Klopp's mind, and you know, the only way to change that is, is for him to prove he can he can do for Liverpool what Firmino does for Liverpool and what Origi does for Liverpool. Last word on the on the sort of weekend's events. Um, obviously, when with Liverpool playing early, then all the other results came in, Ian, and and sort of certainly as I sat there as a, as a fan, and sort of like pretty much every result went the the wrong way uh, in terms of what you wanted to see and. Uh, do you feel that sort of the those who are expressing concern at Liverpool start? And certainly not a lot of fans out there who are just you know aware that it's been you know three tough away games. But uh, is it is is it being sort of exacerbated a wee bit by the fact that you you look at the top of the league and you've got you know Man City nine out of nine, United nine out of nine, scoring late, um, and uh, Chelsea nine out of nine as well. Is there is there is there a feeling like you know, we don't want to get. Obviously, you don't want to get too far behind. But is are, is those starts making it worse for Klopp at the moment in terms I'm, of? I'm not sure. I think the only people who were surprised at Liverpool not winning all three games are the people who, for some reason, thought they were going to win the league this season. Who were the you know the fantasists? I mean, where did they finish last season? Was it eighth? It was eighth, wasn't it? Yeah. So eighth. So they're not going to go from eighth to first. And I think, well, realistically. You look. You were looking at the start of the season. If you'd have asked anybody who are your three favourites to win the league, you'd have said United, City, and Chelsea. So well, I don't. Also, I, they haven't played anyone well, yet. Exactly. Yeah. You look so at I the don't, start. I, don't, I think I don't if Liverpool think... had had United start, they may well have won three out of yeah, three. Yeah, and uh, Liverpool have played two of the rivals who are going to be around them. Yeah. Tottenham and Arsenal away from home, and they've got taken four points from six. So I don't necessarily think it's been that disappointing. But I think, as we've said time and time again, just in this podcast, is the fact that. You go back to the Burnley game and it's everything that we all knew from last season has just come out again. But, but then happen. it's no. only been two, that was only two games into the season and as much as people were saying, oh, so much for Klopp and he's having all his players in over the summer and training them, all this, that and the other, he's still not got the squad that he wants and I think it's still going to be a while before Liverpool are winning those games regularly. Um, we'll move on from the weekend. We're, we're going to do a, a, a special transfer Window wrap up pod on on Thursday after the window shuts on uh, on Wednesday night. Um, so we'll probably talk transfers mostly there, but uh, it's impossible to ignore the sort of big Liverpool story of the day uh, and the club basically uh, giving uh, Mamadou Sakho an ultimatum that they they want him to go out on loan to sort of revive uh, his career at Anfield. James, this was a story you broke earlier in the day. Um, a lot of reaction from supporters. There's a lot of love from Mamadou Sakho out there, uh, and uh, I suspect in this room too. Um, it's it's most fans are just bemused as to how we got to this situation, and there's there's also a feeling out there there must be something else in the background. We who knows if that is the case. I think I don't if there is anything out there in the background. It, it you know it's it's not something that's that's been made apparent. But you know, this obviously first emerged on the American tour with your story that you've been sent home yeah. for for discipline. So it's it, it's gone from there to a sort of a situation where his, his career at Anfield seems in genuine peril. 
Yeah, and it, you know, it's it's certainly been cranked up a notch even in the last four or five days. I think from the initial stories last week that he was Liverpool would would be open to the idea of a loan to to now um, Liverpool telling him you know he, he has to go out on loan if he wants to save his Liverpool career. It's a it's a pretty blunt message that that Klopp has, has given Sacco. You know, um, you know I think Sacco was you know was and is open to the idea of a loan. But I think he thought much bigger clubs than Stoke and West Brom would be coming in for him, and you know, he's effectively said no to both of those possibilities. Um, but Liverpool want him to think again because you know they've basically said, look, Klopp's happy with what he's got this season. You know, I think Lovren and Matip is going to be his first choice combination. He's got Clavin, um, he's got Joe Gomez, not that far off from a comeback after a long-term injury. Lucas Lever can play at the back as well. So, you know, they're saying that effectively, if you don't go, you're not going to play. And if you don't play, you know, how can you force your way back into the manager's plans? And how can you get yourself back in the France squad? So it's going to be intriguing to see whether Klopp, uh, whether Sacco does take that on board or whether he does dig his heels in and say, I'm all right, I'll, I'll take my chances and, and stay put. Because, um, but it's, you know, I think a lot of fans will wonder, you're right, how we came to this. But I think it just, it shows that there is a gap between the way that Sacco is perceived by a section of fans and the way he's perceived by managers and coaches who work with him on a day-to-day basis because, you know, Brendan Rodgers, he, he, you know, he was never one of the first names on the team sheet for Brendan Rodgers. People can read into that whatever they want. It, it's, the same for, it's the same for Klopp. If Klopp. If Klopp rated him that highly, he wouldn't be thinking about sending him out on loan. Um, you know, and he's made a lot of mistakes. You know, you think of, yes, he was very harshly treated by UEFA, in terms of being accused of, of a doping offence and was subsequently cleared. But he still broke club rules by taking a substance without the club's knowledge. So, you know, that was a problem of his own making, even though he certainly didn't deserve for it to run on as long as it did. And then, obviously, what he did on the tour riled Klopp as well. You know, he, he, he said that he wouldn't accept that kind of indiscipline, being late for a flight, being late for team meals, not turning up for treatment sessions. So, you know, that attitude, coupled with, with doubts about... His pedigree as a centre back has, has, has led us to this position, which um, you know is certainly hard to believe for someone who's such a favourite amongst the, so many fans. Ian Saku, wh- where do you stand on him? Because I mean, for me, I don't, I don't. Assuming that it, all we know is what's out there in terms of his, his indiscipline, whether there's anything further, there's no point speculating on that because you know you're, you're looking into the abyss, really. Um, for me, you know. What I struggle to understand is why why can't he stay as you know your first chain centre back your 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 one who comes in um, you know if there's an injury or a suspension to Matip or uh, or, or to Lovren um, you know that that that's a relatively new combination for a star as we know you know only played his first league game on 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 Saturday um, is this just a clear sign that Klopp clearly doesn't fancy him and doesn't fancy having him around. Um, I think I think with Sacco is that a couple of things. First of all, if he's already got in a bit of trouble, whether it was justified or not with the 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 drugs thing, uh, the doping test rather earlier this year, is that what he needs to do then was just keep his nose clean and just get his head down and just crack on with it. And then he ends up getting chucked out of the tour and sent home through you know as, as, as James wrote, um, you know continual breaches of discipline even if it just seems really really trivial if you add them all up you just think what what are you doing why are you doing this and i get i get the impression with with sacco is that if he's not playing he might get a bit bored and then he becomes a little bit 
wouldn't say a problem, but it becomes a little bit of a, not dis well, maybe a little bit of a disruptive influence. And whether or not Klopp thinks this is just like guessing, but you, you go back to, you know, as, as James mentioned in a piece he wrote, I think it was uh, this week he wrote, or maybe even last week, he, he mentioned that he, this is Saka who walked off when he didn't play. He didn't get picked in a derby, I think it was two years ago, was it? Yeah. yeah. So he's got a little bit of form for this. The thing as well is that, as a, as a person, you look at the image that he's, that's portrayed from him, you know, he's going off painting people's houses and doing stuff for charity, and he, he comes across as a really nice bloke, but if, you know, you've got to bear in mind that Klopp deals with him, you know, day day by day on a daily basis, and as James said, other managers have in the past, and they've all, it's almost like they've given him chances, and then in the end they've just gone, right, that's, you know, that's enough now, see you. And at least, I mean, I just go back to the fact that he should have just put his head down and got on with it over the summer instead of just attracting, you know, attention to himself. And especially when he knew quite well that, oh, look, there's a new centre-back coming in. And, oh, look, they've signed another centre-back. And he's just get his head down and crack on and get into the team because he's, is he a good centre-back? He's a decent centre-back, yeah. yeah. Could he do a job for Liverpool? Of course he could. Liverpool probably would have had more chance of winning the Europa League had he been playing. So in, in that respect, you know, he, he would be a bonus. Uh, you know, he, he's got a part to play, but not if he's going to be, a, you know, a bit of a pest, basically. Well, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if he does find a new home before uh, 11 o'clock uh, tomorrow. I think the loan window shuts at the same time as the transfer window, uh, uh, and no doubt uh, he someone will return to on our special transfer window pod that's coming up on Thursday, where we'll look back on all of Liverpool's ins and outs uh, over this uh, transfer window um, but uh, until then thanks very much for listening hope you've enjoyed it and uh, be interesting to see how things develop in the next uh, 24 hours at Anfield thanks a lot Ook bewust bezig zijn met je mobiel? Dat kan al voor 11 euro per maand met Mijn Sim Only Nu met 100 minuten of sms'jes en 2500 MB 4G internet Kijk op ben.nl